Good morning. Welcome <clears throat> to this edition of the Richard Urban Show, where we present news and views from God's point of view. I'm your host, Richard Urban. Today, we're very happy to have Steve Harris on. He's running for Sheriff of Jefferson County. So please introduce yourself. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Mr. Urban, for this opportunity to uh, speak to your listeners. Um, my name is Steve Harris, and I'm a candidate for Jefferson County Sheriff. I'm a native born and raised West Virginia candidate, and my wife and I first moved to Jefferson County back in 1990. I am a retired law enforcement professional, and I am the candidate with the most total years of experience, as well as the most years of experience in a variety of specialty skills. I'm also a constitutional candidate for sheriff, which means that I will protect citizens' constitutional rights to and including the Second Amendment. The sheriff of Jefferson County must be professional, fair, honest, and have integrity, all of which are the backbone of my candidacy. The sheriff must be friendly, approachable with the residents. The sheriff also must have a responsibility to be a role model for our youth, setting an example and uplifting the law enforcement profession as a whole. What I bring to the table different from every other candidate running for sheriff is an understanding and knowledge of other ways to do things other than the same old, same old. I am that candidate that is ready to take the reins of the job from day one, which includes the treasurer's position. Therefore, I ask for your support and your vote in becoming the next sheriff on June 9th. Thank you. Okay. All right. Um, so you mentioned, <clears throat> let's see, you've been in the county since 1990. And I know you had quite a bit of experience in different counties, like in Prince George's County and other places. So what, what prompted you, what are the main reasons or three main reasons you're running like at this time? What prompted you to uh, run right now? Well, um, the biggest thing that, uh, one of the biggest areas that I, I have a problem with is the erosion between law enforcement and the community. Uh, that has bothered me. I was born uh, uh, back in, in Harrison County, West Virginia. I always had the utmost respect for law enforcement. There was a lot of communication. Back then, there was a lot, it was much different. You didn't have all the patrols uh, in, inside of a cruiser that, that you do now. Basically, that was the very beginning of community policing, and we didn't know it. Um, so my thing is I want to restore the communication, the, the understanding, and the support of the community along with law enforcement. We need to be a partner in this fight against crime. It's not a one-man job. It's the entire community. And uh, one of my things within my uh, plans within my community policing is that as the sheriff, I will get out into the community, come to you, get out of my chair at that office, come out to you and, and meet with you in your community. And I will ask you, what's the problems? And we'll have real discussion of what the problems have been in the past, what the problems are today, and what the, we see as the roles to fix it for tomorrow. Okay. Um, I also... I. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, okay, I, I live up here in Shannondale, uh, and you know, I don't, usually we don't see anybody around, not that that's bad necessarily, as far right. as the uh, patrols, and, right. but, so how would this work? Like in, I'd say in, in Shannondale, for instance, how would we, how would this kind of liaisoning work? What would you do? Well, I would find somebody within the community itself to act as a direct liaison between me and the community itself. Uh, 
whether that's a person that uh, would step forward to want to do that or the people of Shannondale say, hey, let's get behind this guy uh, or this lady and, and see if they will step up and, and be a partner with the sheriff and to ensure that we need to get the things done in Shannondale that we want. I live in Shannondale. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, we don't see the patrols up here the way we should. Um, there's a lot of issues up here that I wish were different than they are. For instance, the Blue Ridge, uh, uh, the substation out there by Blue Ridge Elementary School. I remember when that was put up there and I remember what it was supposed to be and how it was supposed to be manned. It's none of that. It's, they're, not, they're not meeting their obligation to the residents up here on this mountain, uh, and that will change with me. Whether I have to man it uh, with, with the reserves or whatever, it will get manned, and there will be somebody there that residents can come and talk to, residents can seek assistance from, and uh, if, if they just want to come in and have a cup of coffee, it'll be there for them. Okay. But uh, one thing that we have here is that the deputies are scattered all over this county and, and not and not to, uh, you know, make it like I'm, I'm putting all this on the deputies aren't doing their job because that's not the fact. One of the things is the manpower situation. We are 11 deputies behind what the federal mandate is per population. Um, and, and under my administration, I will work very hard to get the funds from the county to bring that manpower level up. Uh, I know it can't be done the first year. It won't be done the second year. But over a four-year term, I hope to have it up as much as possible to meet that mandate. I will also go out and attract uh, money from uh, the federal government, from the state government, uh, as well as organizations like the National Sheriff's Association, the Fraternal Order of Police. There's a number of ways that we can fund manpower. Uh, the other thing that we have in this county is so many times our deputies are scattered all over the place, or all of them are sitting in one end of the county. That won't happen with me as sheriff. We will have a beach structure, and this will be a set part of the beat. One thing I do have a past in is community policing. Okay. We spoke well, on let me that interject lightly. one thing there, just yes. on that, that topic. So we're talking about like <clears throat> budget, budget constraints or so how, like, actually one of the things I've written down is ask you, like, how much staffing is needed. So you said it's 11 deputies. That sounds like quite what, how many deputies are there, like, overall, or is that way short? And what, like... Do we need to, yeah. um, the county is like historically underfunding or give me a little insight on that. Please. Well, yeah, historically it has been underfunded. Um, for whatever reason, the county council, county commission has not uh, placed that money or the emphasis on public safety in my idea the way that they should have. I hope that that changes. We're about to have uh, elections of county commissioners uh, here very soon as well. There are some county commissioners that are very supportive, understanding that they have a budget restraint that they have to try to stay under. Um, uh, but they are also supportive of the, uh, the public safety community. So that's been one of the problems that we've faced. Um, what the reason behind that is, I'm not sure if it's financial or whatever, uh, but, but we, we certainly have to try to do a better job of that. Okay. I went one other related question. I was wondering, like, I know the sheriff's office collects the taxes, like property taxes. Yes. So what percentage like of the resources does that take? You know, is it 10 percent, 25 percent, 50 percent? Do you have any idea? Well, uh, 
the percentage of the actual, as far as the, the, the deputy budget, manpower, like the, budget the budget, well, we have an entire department dedicated. I do have the actual figures on what it costs to operate the tax department. Uh, prior to me running, um, and I was still considering running way back in the, in the uh, pre-candidacy stage, I went in and I sent a letter to Sheriff Darley asking him for a meeting to come in and sit down, not a complaint session, but a session just to simply uh, tell him who I was, my uh, concerns, and ask him for his input uh, on certain questions that I had. And he was very gracious. He not only gave me an hour, he gave me two hours. Uh, the one thing that I, I learned from that is uh, what his functions are with the, the treasurer's department um, or the treasurer aspect of the job. And to be very honest with you, we have an incredible tax uh, department. It's run by an extremely knowledgeable chief tax deputy who does an excellent job. The, chief, uh, the uh, tax deputies do an excellent job. But what he gave me at that time was a breakdown of the budget for the past three years. Um, now, he certainly this year here was a, a new budget. So I didn't have the, uh, the figures on that. He didn't have the figures on that to give to me at that time. He, uh, he ran in and asked, I believe it was for 10 deputies, uh, uh, several more vehicles, uh, and quite a bit of an increase, uh, not only in the manpower, but uh, other areas of the sheriff's department as well. So I can find those figures if you want me to dig them up here and tell you what it costs to actually run the tax department. Um, but um, I would say that the, the figures are, are well in line with what they should be. Okay, it sounds like that would take a little more uh, research. Well, to sw switch the issue, I noticed on your materials, <clears throat> you were saying you wouldn't enforce any like unconstitutional um, like red flag laws or, or Second Amendment type laws Correct. like that, should they ever be passed. Is that right? That's correct. And I, I, I hold that to, to everybody out there can hold me to that. I, that is a, a promise by me. You know, there are, are a number of uh, counties or not so much counties within our state, but but counties surrounding us that have put those kind of laws on the books and cities. Um, I don't see that happening right now here in West Virginia. I know there's a push for it. Uh, but as the county sheriff, I'm a constitutional officer. My obligation is not is not only to enforce the laws of our state and our our county and our country, but is also to ensure that people's constitutional rights are not violated. Now, uh, you know, there's conversation as to whether or not the, well the governor well that was an unconstitutional act and this and that. Uh, the law enforcement as a whole, whether you're a sheriff, a deputy sheriff, a state trooper. Um, a city police officer, there's a lot of discretion in law enforcement. And it's uh, a lot of times it's up to the leader of that particular agency to determine what discretion gets used. We recently here in Jefferson County had two areas that were shut down uh, under the, the what they said the sheriff's department shut them down under what they, they thought was the, the governor's order. I would not have shut those two places down. Um, and there, I'll tell you why. The reason is because you could have gone into those situations knowing the COVID-19 problem that we have, and you could have put in play uh, uh, situations where those people could have done social distancing while still being able to operate. Um, the sad thing of all this is- Well, I'm I sorry, let me interject. I guess I'm okay. not, I didn't see that or know about that. So there, those were like, business closures of a <clears throat> restaurant or small business or what was that well well one had to do with a a, a, a range uh, a, a weapons range where people could go and shoot oh um, okay and the okay. other one had to do with a golf course 
uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I apologize. Uh, allergies, as you know, up here on the mountain yes. are extremely high and I'm one of the victims of it. So, uh, but, but those, those were the two businesses that I spoke of uh, in particular that the, they were in the paper. There were a lot of people up in arms about why those were shut, uh, as the sheriff, even though, uh, the, the whether or not the, the order by the governor is, is uh, constitutional or not, depend, depended on what people felt, um, I would not have shut those businesses down. I would have sent the deputies out there or I would have gone out there myself um, when I received complaints or, or the knowledge if they were still operating. I would have gone out and had a discussion with those business owners and said, look, I'm as pro-business as anybody in this world. And I know that there's a lot of business out here that this shutting down is, is, is not only going to hurt their business, it's going to kill their business. Uh, it's going to affect their personal lives. So let's figure up a plan here together so that you can continue to operate under the social distancing laws and the plans that we have in effect and, and, and not put you in a bind that is going to uh, you know, cause a, a spread of this COVID-19. And it's also not going to put you in a financial bind as well. Okay. I saw some discussion. I think it was on one of the Facebook groups. You were, someone's asking you about that. You gave a little, <clears throat> maybe, okay, correct or clarify for me, a little different answer. They were asking about the lock, the different mandates. And you were maybe there saying that you thought maybe they were enforceable. Or do you know what I'm talking about? Or am I? Yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I'm aware. I, I think what you're talking about is somebody come out and made in their their statement that they made to me i have studied constitutional law now don't get me wrong i'm not a judge i'm not a lawyer but right. uh there was a point in time in my um education uh part of my life that i i did study law and had considered becoming a lawyer that changed over the years but one of the courses that i took and then which led me to multiple courses was united states constitutional law so to some degree having studied constitutional law I, I, I understand that when before I am going to say something is constitutional or unconstitutional, I'm going to research it. Um, this particular person, if I'm not mistaken, if this is who you were uh, are talking about. Yeah, I don't remember the name or anything. I just saw I, some I don't, discussion. I don't, I don't either. They made, the, they made the point that, uh, well, what's your opinion on this unconstitutional uh, closing of businesses by the government? Anytime somebody throws and there's something on voice or speech and something else, anytime somebody says that uh, their constitutional infringement or, or it's unconstitutional, I, I go back into the mindset that, hey, this has been ruled by the United States Supreme Court as, as constitutional. Um, so that was my answer. I was at the time when I answered that question, I was answering a constitutional issue. If you're going to say something's constitutional, unconstitutional, then have the backing to say that it's unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court or the Constitution itself. So uh, that was the issue on that. Um, okay. and, and once All again, right. once again, on those business, had they asked me if there was another person who asked me generally the same question, uh, but asked it, it, what would you have done in these particular type instances under the governor's order about closing these business? They didn't say it was unconstitutional. They didn't say that their constitutional rights had been infringed upon. And I told them, I said, what I would have done under those situations was exactly what I said to you about the golf course and the, uh, the uh, weapons range. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, you're talking about discretion. I mean, I was down at the Moulton Park on Memorial Day, and I no, I mean, people. It's supposedly it's closed. People were enjoying the park. Obviously, you know, I was glad to see there weren't any officers there arresting people. However, all the picnic tables were removed. I was like, oh my God. So the point is, you know, I think there is discretion. Like somebody decided, you know, people shouldn't congregate in the park. Well, if you took it to an extreme, the sheriff could say, hey, we're going to enforce it. We're going to go down to the park and arrest the people who are congregating. I mean, you know, that, that, you know that what I'm, you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that serves a purpose. Uh, I, you know, I, I just don't see going out and locking people up because they went to the park. Uh, I, I, and I don't think that's what the governor of our state or any state truly wanted to have happen. You know, uh, if you if you had officers out there, just simply ask the people, look, can 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 you please keep at least six foot between you, uh, you know, you, you approach it from a different aspect. You don't go out there and go locking people up for this stuff. You know, it's one thing now if somebody is, is just blatantly doing something, they're, they're not uh, keeping distance between people, they're not wearing masks, they're not doing anything at all to stop the spread of COVID-19, mm -hmm. then sometimes your hands get tired. But I don't think going out and somebody closing somebody's business down, you know, you can even turn it over to the health department in some of these cases, if it's a health department issue. But uh, it's important, I think, for the sheriff to use that discretion. Uh, you know, you're a leader of a department. You're a leader of, of, of uh, men and women. Uh, and the way you do that says a lot, not only to that the, the people within uh, your, your department, but it also says a lot to the people in your community. Yeah. And, and that's, a, and that's a, exactly the way I'd approach those things. Yeah. Well, and this week came up <clears> that situation <throat> in Minneapolis where the man was killed by apparently excessive force by the officer and who's been apparently has a bad record over in that area. So along those lines, like, I don't know. I mean, you want to respect for the, you know, deputies and a certainly, you know, people should give that. But what would you do? Like, you know, I guess what it's kind of a rhetorical question, but you know, like that situation, you know, there seems to be like the officer in question had a bad record, but he was still on the force. I don't know. Yeah. Give a comment if you want about it or not. It's a, you know. Well, I, I, I'm not familiar with the particular case that you're talking about. The one uh, where, the, well, the officer, <clears throat> some guy was apparently involved in some, uh, they said it was, maybe it's passing a bad check or something. Anyway, he's arrested and the officer like put his knee on his neck for five minutes and the guy oh, died. Oh, the, the Minneapolis uh, Yeah, situation. Minneapolis, Minnesota, not uh, locally. Uh, but the point is it caused, it's a police community relationship. Sure. Thing. Oh, it's a disaster. They had the fires up there. They had the precincts being set on fire. Um, and, and a lot of that could have been avoided. Training of your officers is very important. There's a, one of the rules that I will throw out there, and you, uh, you may have seen it on, on uh, some of my web posts. You may have seen it in my brochures or, or my, my website. But, and this is a hard, fast rule. When I trained rookies as a tr field training officer on the police department, the very first thing that I would say to them when they got into my patrol car was you treat people the way that you would want to be treated or you would want your family to be treated. That's the number one rule. When I take 
office if uh, hopefully I'm lucky enough and, and blessed enough to, to receive that, that endorsement by this community. That's my number one thing I'm going to say. The first day without on the job, I will pull my people together and say, here is my golden rule. You treat people the way you want to be treated, or the way that you would want your family to be treated. And then that, that follows. Everything from there just falls into place. You, their training for these officers um, needs to be more in tune. I, I, this officer here, I'm not knowing his, his record for sure. Um, certainly sometimes there are officers that, that get a bad rap uh, and I've seen it, uh, that they didn't deserve the, the name that they, they, they got. So I don't know his particular record. However, I will tell you that that situation in Minneapolis, I would have been fumed if I would have seen that as the chief of police or as, uh, the, the sheriff of the County. If that happened, that person is going to be gone, and uh, there's no excuse for that. In my, my view, that person there at that time was subdued. There was no reason to keep that person on the ground from what I can tell because the video certainly doesn't give me all angles of what took place. I don't know what took place prior to it, but from what I saw that's been shown on the news, that man should have been let back up off the ground. He was handcuffed and should have been placed into a patrol car. And that would have stopped that situation right there. Right. Yeah, that's a bad situation. Okay. Well, when you compare um, your candidacy to, like, your opponent, I know you have an <clears throat> opponent in the, yes. um, you know, Mr. Hansen in the uh, primary. What's yes. different? Why will the why should we choose you versus you know your opponent? Well, uh, I'll start right off with Shannon Dill. Um, I have been a long uh, time a person uh, that has endorsed another way off of this mountain. My opponent now says that he supports another way off of this mountain as well. Uh, I was one, I, I pushed that. When my wife and I first, we're in our second home here, by the way, in Shenandoah. We live up off of gate one, um, but our first home was up off of gate four. My wife and I stood out there on our front deck and watched the wildfire across the mountain, uh, coming across that mountain from the Virginia side down, coming down toward the Shenandoah Club and Lake. Um, that was a pretty scary situation. Every year while we lived up there, uh, to the back of us was state parkland. And every hunting season, uh, we would have the fire trucks up there back in the woods trying to put out fires for folks who would be back there hunting and throwing their cigarettes down. So. <clears throat> Sadly, but, but it, it, it's a fact, if we have a major disaster or a major fire up here, there are people at some point that are trapped and cannot get off of this mountain. Um, I don't want that to be a fact. I view public safety as just that, public safety. I have a responsibility to everybody in this county to ensure that they are provided as much safety uh, from the department as well as from a means of safety of getting in and out of their communities in case of a disaster right. as possible. The other right. part so let of me, it is, yeah, enter, uh, <coughs> my mic. so maybe listen, but yeah, right. So that would be, for instance, I've talked to some of the neighbors about it since I'm also in Shenandoah, like bring putting through mission road, perhaps to the Virginia side, something like that. Right. That or even I'm not above the consideration for a bridge across the river. Um, now, certainly that's something that I don't have the power to do. But I, as a uh, a political force within the county, 
uh, I think that I do have the obligation to the people of Shenandoah, not only just as a resident, but if I elected their sheriff, as their sheriff to ensure that there's another way off this mountain. Have you right done now, any, like, oh, I'm sorry, Dan Jackson, any work on this, like talking to county officials? Is it, do they say, and if so, do they say anything about it, like, oh, we don't have money or there's some legal problem or what? No, I, oh, I have talked about it with people that are, are, are political candidates. Uh, I have not talked about it to people that are current uh, okay. uh, county uh, uh, commissioners. However, there are people that sat on that commission in the past that were involved in politics here in the past that I have spoken to over the years about that problem. Uh, okay. One of the... One of the situations, obviously, is funding. Um, uh, but we also, right now, our, our school buses and our deputy sheriffs have to go into Virginia in order to come back into parts of West Virginia. Uh, that's something we need to take a good look at. Um, uh, we don't need to be going into the state of Virginia to come back into our own state and handle uh, our school, our children being able to go to and from school mm -hmm. or our deputy sheriffs handling uh, people's um, requests for police services. Okay, the well, I, part, go ahead. Go ahead with your, like, you're talking uh, I, how you're different from uh, exactly. Mr. Hanson. Go my, ahead. My, my opponent um, uh, likes to make an issue of the fact that he's been a deputy sheriff for 20 plus years here in Jefferson County. I was not a deputy sheriff for 20 some years. Uh, I have 40 years of experience, but not as a deputy sheriff in Jefferson County. I did work for Berkeley County after I retired the first time for two years as a court bailiff. Uh, I grew up here in West Virginia, so I understand uh, West Virginia law enforcement having a cousin that was a deputy sheriff and having the county sheriff, one of the best friends of our family that was like an uncle to me as I grew up. I have worked alongside uh, and been best friends. I've ridden with the Blue Knights Association, which is here in West Virginia, which is all made up of law enforcement people. Um, <clears throat> that, so what I bring to the table different is that I bring here not only an understanding of West Virginia law enforcement, I also bring an understanding of other ways to get things done instead of the same old, same old things that, the way it has been. If my um, opponent, who in fact, uh, likes to claim that he was uh, either the number one or number two guy at times under the sheriff. Um, if there was those issues that he wanted to get done, uh, he sure, certainly had the opportunity while he was a deputy sheriff to uh, intervene and take care of some of those situations. I, I don't see him having done that. Uh, the big difference to me uh, between me and him is, is uh, the way we've seen, I think, are seen within the community. Uh, I certainly care about the way my image, uh, I care about the law enforcement profession. Uh, uh, I, I am, uh, I like to uh, talk with people, um, be, uh, have conversation with them. Um, and I am not seen as a person of arrogance or bullying. And I don't ever want to be seen that way. I'm the same, uh, I'll be the same guy as your sheriff that I am sitting here right now. Um, so, but I think our experience level is the main difference. Uh, I've got a lot of experience in a lot of different fields and I've, my experience level comes from multiple states, not just from Jefferson County, West Virginia. Okay. That's fair enough. All right. As we're drawing to a close, anything else you'd like to share with the voters as they're, um, approaching June 9th or I know some people may have already early voted, but anyway, go ahead. Well, the, uh, I would just simply ask them to uh, keep in touch uh, with me on Facebook or my email. Uh, I will, I got to be very honest with you, uh, here this past week, I've just been, uh, and I'm not 
upset about it. I've been overwhelmed with emails and, and requests for me to bring signs to people. I got a great request uh, yesterday in an email for me to put one of my big signs uh, right down in somebody's yard. So uh, I certainly am going to do that. It's along a main route here in the county. Uh, okay. I think if people could check into my webpage, uh, and that's, that's uh, Steve Harris for uh, sheriff2020.com. Uh, they can check into my uh, Facebook page, which is Steve Harris for Jefferson County Sheriff, uh, and my email and all that's listed right on all those uh, those spots. Um, okay. I would just simply say that uh, I feel that I'm the absolute best candidate for this job. Um, I'm concerned about the drug problem in this county, and I have uh, drug investigator experience. I've got a grandson that still goes to the school. My kids grew up going to these schools. We need to give them a safe place to go to school a safe place to live and i'm the man to do that job okay well thank you very much thank you for uh joining us today so uh everyone do vote on june 9th also we've got like three supreme court justices will be elected yep. then and the magistrates and of course the primary all the primaries on both sides so yeah um i am your host richard urban thank you for joining us today do be blessed and we will see you next time